Is your time so empty? No. Well, I, I run the office and uh, tend the cabins and grounds and, and do little uh, errands for my mother, the one she allows I might be capable of doing. Would you go out with friends? Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. You are listening to Original Remake. This is a podcast where we discuss and compare original film and its remake. Or sometimes films with similar concepts, because just like Hollywood, we are that unoriginal. So this being a movie podcast, um, yeah, let's get to it. All right, and we are back. I want to give a shout out to our good buddy Dave from Pop Culture Case Study for covering... um, the uh, the guest spot here the last couple episodes your but, laziness uh, that's what he covered yes <laughs> uh, really lazy <laughs> you know I I am the biggest Blade Runner fan and I wanted to sit down on that so badly but... you didn't miss much it's fine it was, it was a pretty long <laughs> sit for the new one you know I I had no intentions on watching that new movie at oh. all uh, but you know I haven't listened to you guys' episode yet but a coworker of mine who just loves the original. He uh, he enjoyed the, the the new one, and kind of has been saying what a lot of people have been saying: you got to watch, you have to have seen the first one to watch this uh, the sequel. So, uh, and and I don't plan on revisiting the original anytime soon. So, I guess there's that. But, As I uh, said, laziness. <laughs> uh, that's probably like ten hours I have to invest there. But Psycho, we are going to talk about Psycho one here. My favorites, uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you know what? I don't know if you know this, but one of our very first collaborations was the 1998 Psycho movie. Was that the first time I was on uh, uh, Hydrate Level 4, as it was named I, then? I believe so. It, it was either that or Home Alone, uh, but I, I believe it might have been Psycho. I think so. I think uh, I was for the, the holidays. I was, I was coming in. I, I must have missed Thanksgiving, but I think I was on like your Halloween episode and then your yes. Christmas episode. So yeah, Psycho was probably it. Probably the first conversation. So. What we're going to do is we're just going to play that episode. That's it. We, we are. The whole, all night. two hours of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We have enough room left in our, um, on our account, so yeah, maybe we'll be, just link, this just is link be it. Condensed. Yeah, this is going to be a much shorter. <laughs> this will not be two hours. Uh, dear listener, uh, you can probably look at your app, whatever it is you're using, and see this is going to be like a half hour or less. So, ready to go. But, but no, really, if you guys want to check out Mike's guest spot on my show, this is like three years ago. Um, it was a, just under two hours, and it was literally scene by scene. And what we did was actually what we started doing with the original remake. It, it was it was uh, really dissecting the the differences and similarities uh, of of the movie. And it's, it's kind of funny because I did go back and listen to it, and uh, we would talk about you know we would analyze the the, the remake and. And then you would bring in um, some tidbits about the original movie because at that time I had not yet seen it. So original remake was definitely in the making at that point three years ago. The genesis of the idea. Um, mm-hmm. 1998 Psycho. A great one right. to bring you into the fold, Peter. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very great one because the, the following episode was the 1960 uh, review. Uh, a little refresher here. The 1960 movie, it is uh, written by – or I'm sorry, directed by Alfred Hitchcock – um, Joseph Stefano is the person who uh, wrote the movie. It is based on a book. It stars Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates, who is the hotel manager. Um, 
at this uh, hotel or motel. Anyway. Trying to class it up, old Peter. Yeah. Janet Lee plays Marion. She is our uh, first um, on-screen death here in the movie. Uh, The movie is about uh, this woman named Marion who had uh, taken some money from work. And she ends up at the uh, base motel where she is murdered. And the rest of the movie, we try to figure out if there is indeed a mother character that uh, Norman uh, who is, is, keeps talking about. A new one, we've got uh, we've got Vince Vaughn taking over for Anthony Perkins as uh, Norman Bates, which uh, Perfect casting. probably seems a little bit stranger now than it did then. Back in uh, 98, he was... Uh, he, he was known swingers, maybe comedically from swingers and, uh, in the, the lost world, the sequel to Jurassic park, but he was also a dramatic actor. He, this was pre wedding crashers. So it's not as oddball. Uh, he was just sort of an up and coming star at this point, another up and comer, uh, and Hache from the late nineties. She, uh, she was getting the big push there. Uh, she was in a romantic comedy with Harrison Ford, I think six days, seven nights. So, um, you have her as Marion, and Julianne Moore is playing the sister Lila. The other man here, Vigo Mortensen, who um, really hasn't aged at all, having, <laughs> having watched him in this back in 1998. Uh, he is uh, Marion's uh, lover, the, the the catalyst for her stealing the money so they can start a life together and he can pay off his debts. And uh, what ends up getting her into trouble and on the run and then killed at the Bates Motel. So uh, the detective, the private eye that's uh, looking into it, played by William H. Macy as uh, Arbogast. And um, there's also Philip Baker Hall, and uh, you have Robert Forster, but uh, we don't really need to get into them. They they come in very late in the game, so mm-hmm. those are our principal actors. And uh, this one was directed by Gus Van Sant, and they used uh, the, the same screenplay from the original. So Joseph uh, Stefano's script uh, still in play here uh, with some minor changes to the, the the dialogue i believe one line and is uh calling something a walkman. jello a walkman's oh, okay. in there jello's <laughs> in there you know there's some some modernized things but this is definitely a film that uh is somewhat uh, out of time and i can recall watching it with as a teenager being very excited this was my like episode one this is my star wars i was mm-hmm. super fan of psycho watching it with uh, a bunch of other 15 16 year olds my buddies who, uh, like yourself uh, at the time, had not seen the original, they came away from it wondering why I like Psycho so much. <laughs> I think I think it's because there's, a, there's an acceptance of the style of Psycho as a classic black-and-white movie from 1960, and then when you put it in color with modern actors, there's definitely some weird, weird things here. So it, from what you remember, you know, what are some of the odd things that stuck out for you watching the 98 version? And I, I do remember when we reviewed it, I didn't think it was that bad. And I didn't have that notion that it was a bad movie until I saw the original. Uh, but I did um, – I remember that a lot of the actors and actresses, they um, – I think they all kind of played it differently where I, I didn't feel like they were in the same movie. Um, That's a good point. You know, I know Julianne Moore probably seemed the most miscasted uh, character to me. How dare and, you? Of course, you I know, agree well, with you there. She, she's I, she's yeah. way over the top. She's very aggressive in her, her performance here. Yeah, and, and I get why she would probably be that because the uh, Vera Miles character, she played the, the younger sister to Marion, you know, whereas in uh, Julianne Moore, she plays the older sister. So I can see her, you know, being a little bit more aggressive, but 
the, the change in that, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just the way Julianne Moore played her. Um, I just, uh, you know, you already said it, you know, just a little over the top. I think they're um, trying to change the Vera Miles one was definitely more damsel in distress, not in her actions. Cause she's certainly brave trying to track down her sister. And she's, she goes into the big spooky house at the end when she, mm-hmm. they're trying to find mother and get some answers, but certainly Julian Moore here in her handling with Sam as the boyfriend, uh, she starts to tear into him. Like from the word go, she's not taking any shit. And I think normally I would like that, but as you said, you made a very good point that the actors, some of them seem to be really trying to mimic the earlier performances. I think Vince Vaughn is trying to do his best, Anthony Perkins. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that works because he's such a he's such a bigger guy than Anthony Perkins. Like he's just he looks just like a stronger, more imposing guy. And so the way when he's doing his version of Anthony Perkins, I do think it's pretty creepy to see Vince Vaughn that cautious, that scared, that uh, unsure of himself. And I don't know, you just expect him to be someone who just would not take any shit. You expect Trent from Swingers. So Mm. I think that one works. My my favorite performance here, as far as the recasting, is probably William H. Macy as our guest. Oh, absolutely. That's what I was going to say. And he's trying to do like the 60s version. You know, that. He's pretty close. I think he's. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's it's great. But then again, then you have Julianne Moore kind of running around with a Walkman and. and That's a detail that's aged well, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, very well. I mean, I still carry mine around. Uh, Anne Hesh, she was, she wasn't, mm, she wasn't good, but she was okay. You know, uh, she did definitely play it a little bit differently. I would have preferred somebody else. I think she plays unhinged well. She has a, the scene where Marion is imagining Driving. what her mm-hmm. her boss and like uh, you know the the guy that she's robbed is his money and and the the police or people are going to be after. Her. I think she's really good there. Um, I don't, I don't know for the most part. I, I don't know if this is just me projecting, uh, because I've never really liked Anne Heche. I've never really disliked her either. Um, but going into it, knowing of course this is a remake and she's going to go like to the slaughter, go to the bathroom. I don't know if I care as much as I do with Janet Lee. I don't know with her. I, I feel like genuinely shocked and sort of like, I feel like an innocent woman, even though she's done something bad, is has met a really unfortunate end. And there's a little bit of a scream queen kind of angle with Anne Heche, where it's like, mm-hmm. I, and where it's like her dying. It's like, oh yeah, that's that's what she's supposed to do. I don't know. It doesn't feel as tragic for some reason, and maybe that's just because I've already been exposed to the original. I know she steals some some money, but she seems pretty pretty normal, like a normal person. And when she's interacting with Norman. Um, they have like a decent chemistry there, you know, because she starts to get a little comfortable with him and she accidentally reveals like her real last name and where she's actually really from. I buy that. Not so much from the Anne Hesh character. You think and William it's Perkins, just, it's like a more maternal like relationship. Like it seems like she, even though he's a perfect stranger to her, he, she does seem to care more about his issues or problems. Like she's genuinely concerned, like, that he's unhappy with his lot in life and is offering suggestions. I kind of agree with you. I don't know the way Anne Heche plays it. Uh, she's just kind of like an interloper in the sense that it's like, she's just saying what she thinks she should say, but she doesn't really care one way or the other. Like, I don't know, like, like her and, uh, Norman to me, the way that's played with that scene with Vince Vaughn, it doesn't seem like that's someone she would ever entertain talking to unless forced to. 
Whereas the, the Janet Lee version, I feel like she could strike up a conversation with anyone and be genuine with them. Be like, and seems it just seems like a nicer person. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder if it's because she's paired up with Vince Vaughn, you know, just because he's such a bigger guy in stature and, um, I don't know. It just kind of, it, it makes sense as, as far as like he, him being like a, like a killer, like a serial killer. I don't know. Cause he's just uh, a bigger person. And you got Norman where you just feel he's a little bit, I mean, uh, Anthony Perkins, you feel he's a little bit kind of like a, like a normal person, I guess at first, um, I know he dropped some comments and has, um, like a certain look to him, but Taxidermy is not so normal to me. I don't, I don't know about your neck of woods so? in Portland. I don't know what you people are doing out there, but there, there's there was... a lot of birds and crows. <laughs> you, you stuff them as well, just because there's on, so on many. On my spare time, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how you fit in with all the podcasting. I don't know, maybe while you're podcasting, but while I assume I'm delivering mail. I assume you'd have to turn the video off if you're doing that podcasting because it depends it would creep on the guest. Out. You know, so, some people like it. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the style yeah. of the movie. Because, um, I mean, we've talked about the, the, the acting here, but um, you, you brought up the, the point that they seem like they're in different movies. The one thing I'd forgotten, even since, you know, we had done our our version of this on your, your other show, is how garish the colors are. It's like they're like, oh, we're going to do a color version now, and everything's going to be over the top. Like, Marion's wearing, like, bright pink. Um, Norman, like, you know, the, the sort of the, the famous, like... Uh, gel cell sequence. He's got this weird, like, turquoise, like, striped thing. Like, it's it's like people who are on vacation in, like, Scarface era Miami, Florida, uh, yeah. or something. Ple- like, Pleasantville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very. And, I mean, some of that is just, uh, like, I think trying to make it stylized because it's obviously going to be a very stylized remake. If they're using the same words and the same script, they're not updating it other than the, the, the Walkman that we've brought up. But I I felt like Gus Van Sant went a little too, as you said, Pleasantville uh, with this. Because I don't think, like, I think Vigo comes across as just sort of a modern dude. Just like a mm-hmm. normal guy. He's like, he's in like a grounded, realistic movie. Uh, and then you have this other segment where the Bates Motel, even William H. Macy I like, is this old-fashioned P.I., I don't know. I felt like I, I think they were a little they were a little too afraid to modernize it too much, and maybe that was a mistake. Maybe this should have taken place like actually in '98, but none of the people here look like they're dressed in late '90s attire at all. No, no, they're not. Um, you know, just kind of back to what you're saying about the color. I, I feel Gus Van Sant's like, well, you know, there, it was a choice decision to make the 1960 version black and white. That way, you know, the red doesn't appear as gory. And so when he films his, he's like, let's throw in all the colors, you mm-hmm. know, let's 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 uh, let's consult with uh, Joel Schumacher because he needs to be some sort of, you know, I'm I'm just kind of trying to throw in a bad joke there. But um, well, I mean, there's the no colors, nipples that I'm aware of. There's much less in the way of nipples here. Less nipples. But, uh, you know, the, the, the color, I mean, I don't know. Didn't didn't Joel Schumacher used to be some kind of it's a DP, I believe. I think your costume designer. I think he uh, before was, he became a director. I thought he was some kind of. Anyway, we're not talking about him. But um, the part that bothered me this time around watching it was Anne Hesh's, uh red nail polish. I, I think that kind of takes away from that particular scene and the add of blood. I, I don't think was as 
maybe not as a, as effective as, as I thought it was going to be. Well, they they don't go that far in the shower sequence, which maybe is what didn't appeal to my teenage buddies when we watched this, because you know even at that point they were aware of the shower scene. They were aware someone gets stabbed to death. They may have even seen the shower sequence in the original, like some sort of clip package on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they do add are strange bits of imagery. Uh, which like you see, like, I think Rob zombie at one point in the movie and you see like a deer in the headlights, a storm. That's okay, I guess. But I feel like if you're going to do that, that, you know, there were some rumors at the time this movie came out that it was going to be a direct remake, like word for word, shot for shot until the shower sequence. And then they were going to go a completely different way. And part of me was really excited about that. Because I felt like, okay, you're getting up to the shower sequence. That's what everybody knows. Fine. You're doing it as like an exercise as a filmmaker to see how Hitchcock made his movie. See if you can duplicate it. But then go a different way. And they start to. like. And so when I was first watching it, I was like, oh, okay. They're putting in these new shots because they're going to go off the rails here. And they don't. And I'm not saying they should have changed the shower sequence. Because I think that's the one thing people would want to see it. They want to see that sort of the weird cutting of it. Because... Obviously, in 1960, they had to cut away from any nudity. So mm-hmm. you have, I mean, even though Psycho is pretty much like the origin of like the slasher genre, you have a naked woman being stabbed to death, and we see nothing. And, I mean, you, you only get that one little glimpse of the knife being put, like, touching the body, not even stabbing into. That's But mm-hmm. I feel like for them to make this sort of weird pop art thing in these bold colors... Um, the shower sequence is still kind of vanilla and honors that. I mean, you do have blood down there, but the only thing that's the only thing that's extra is the the nudity at the end when she when Anne Hache when she is dying, Slumped like in the over, shower. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And that I mean, that's not gratuitous in any way. But um, I, I, what do you think of the the notion that that rumor at the time that after the shower sequence, this movie should have gone should have added a different twist and had a completely different like second half. I think that would have been um, hard to say because y- you would think that he'd be able to maybe not quite pull off a shot by shot remake, but make it enjoyable. But he didn't, um, in, in my <laughs> in my opinion. And so you know, changing it, I, I don't know. Maybe it could have been uh, very bold, but you know, maybe if it was written very very well, uh, it could have it could have been successful. Um, I do wonder if there's anything floating around, you know, like a like some kind of draft where we can read it just to kind of see. But after that shower scene, that's where some of the differences do take place. Um, and in that shower scene, the 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 shot of the remake, you know, of Anne Hesh just laying there, and you kind of you start in on the eye, and it just spins around because it's it was a transitional shot from like the drain. I didn't like that, and I found that kind of jarring, and that might have been the intent. But I See, that's thought a, that's a like it's a psycho insider sort of thing because mm. uh, that's a shot from the original that they couldn't pull off, um, and they were using no you know there's no digital there to to help. Right. So I mean they you know it's Just all zoom out on it's that all one. yeah they had to do it in the one shot, and it was all trickery as far as the transition. But I I believe uh, Janet Lee took a breath. At some point, there was something that was so subtle that, uh, you know, the, the legend goes that only Hitchcock's wife saw it in the screening and says, you've got to drop that. And that's why they cut. There's one cut back to the shower head because they couldn't get it 
on film in one take with her being that still. I, I kind I dig that stuff because it's like that that opening shot into the uh, the hotel room when you see Marion and Sam mm-hmm. like on the on the lunch break the right the little afternoon delight that they're having that the camera you might have been the only one eating yeah lunch. yeah <laughs> the, the camera <laughs> zooms in like the helicopter shot all the way into the window whereas in the original there's like these like sort of fade ends like as they get closer and I, I like that stuff um, but that goes back to what. I was saying with my friends at the time, you know, all that stuff that I really dig as a fan of the original, they agreed with you. They, they was like, why, why does it look like that? Why are we doing this? Like, I don't know. It's, it's these weird things where it's like, yeah, you're doing a shot for shot, but you're using new technology to update it and get it right. As if Hitchcock would have done it in 1960. But if Hitchcock was around 1998, he probably wouldn't make the movie the same way as he would in 1960. Right. So it's, it's strange. Mean, it's it's it's. I think it's a cool thing for cinephiles and fans of the film to see. Like, it's like seeing a new stage play with different actors. You're just seeing a new version of it. But I think just as a movie on its own, it makes some weird decisions by trying to honor the original so much. Yeah, I mean, even Hitchcock, you know, to what you're saying, he remade one of his own movies and made it completely different. You know, and I think you we were find very that on the original remake. Absolutely. And I think we were divided on that one. I think you liked the original better, right? The the man who knew too much. Yeah, I was not a big fan of the remake on, on that one. Which I was, so So, so listeners that... can decide. They can vote in by checking. I don't know what episode number that is, but it's in our back catalog, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Mm-hmm. Um let's see, what else do we want to talk about? I think we already covered William H. Macy because you know, there's I, I don't feel there's too much to talk about. I mean the movie is very similar. I think we already kind of touched on the differences with uh, Julian Moore, um, the casting of Vince Vaughn, who's just, uh, you know, he, like you said, he might have been the right uh, casting at the time. Uh, I mean, I, I just think he's just such a big guy. Let's do you know, our I normal just, thing. Let's do our, what's our, what's okay. our recasting here. If we're going to remake this, you know, I guess we have two questions. First, we're going to do the, the cast now. And then secondly, would you attempt to do shot for shot or would you just take the same story and update it completely for 2017 i would probably remake it in 1960 uh and not a shot by shot but kind of just maybe take the script again uh and have a script doctor you know kind of maybe not modernize it but flesh it out a little bit kind of do what some of these um you know uh, more successful remakes in the in recent memory here where we fill in the gaps right mm-hmm. which is something that you you uh said and so I, I like that a lot so we can fill in the gaps and 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 make it take place back then so that way we can't date it you know like this 1998 version uh now i was watching the original and so i'm gonna go off of those castings uh as opposed to the the 98 version but i think anthony uh, perkins played it really well and it's hard to um copy something like that but as far as look goes andrew garfield you know he might be a little a young yeah yeah looks a lot like him and you know i think i've seen him in a, a, enough different roles where he can play uh norman like uh an anthony perkins um marion i don't know i i feel you gotta think of somebody who people love and would be horrified by the thought of um, this young woman being brutally murdered. I mean, 
I really hate to just kind of use the same people that we always do. Uh, Emma Stone, you know, who has been in Amazing Spider-Man, mm-hmm. you know, with him. Um, I think that that would pro- probably be a good one. And then, and then uh, Sam Rockwell for Arbogast, and then anybody else for the other roles. I'm really liking you as the, uh, the, oh, the thank guest you. in here. Hey. Um, so you're not gonna have Julian Moore come back as the uh, uh, presumably uh, I don't know since it would have to be dated again. Would it be an iPod? She'd be rocking now. She'd be rocking an iPod, but Julian Moore she can play uh, the doctor who woman explains everything at the end about transvestites. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mine. I don't know if it works age wise because uh, I believe Vince Vaughn was. I don't know. Uh, what is he now? He's forty-seven. So he was, he was twenty-eight when this oh, came wow. out. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, which I believe is probably similar to Anthony Perkins. I think he was in his twenties as well. Um, so mine doesn't work. But you know what? My the guy that I think of uh, quite a bit when I think of Norman Bates, as far as an updated version, as far as having the charisma to do it, the likability, but. Also, I think could be really creepy and intense when he obviously has to turn is uh, John Cho, who I just looked up as 45 years old. Wow. But, but looks, he looks 28 to me. So The MILF guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just saw him in a movie this summer called Columbus, um, which I wasn't a huge fan of. It looked great, uh, but he was, he was really good in it. And it was cool to see him play a dramatic role for once. Uh, he's obviously very charming and is known mostly for comedy. But yeah, I thought when I saw him in Columbus, I thought like, oh, okay, I could see him have that sort of like, it would be cool to see him with some darkness to him, with some angst. So yeah. I the, do I do like that, casting an Asian actor. Well, you know, Very unfortunately good. for John Cho is just, you know, he's sort of the uh, poster boy for that, I guess, for Hollywood sort of racism, because there's, as far as like leading man looks and charm, you anytime I see him, I've always thought like, why is this guy not? A major movie star at this point so mm-hmm. great hair as well got i mean he's got you know he's got better hair than vince vaughn even at that time oh like absolutely so, um it is good hair uh yeah and it's funny you bring up the the milf guy uh that plays they'll play kind of odd with the mother angle there just a little bit <laughs> yeah uh i like your of course uh choice of uh emma stone so um i think i'm just gonna cast her as well i mean she's yeah, okay. she's played Asian before, and well, I love her. So since since uh, John Cho is 45, why don't you go with um, you know our favorite Jessica Chastain, who's probably closer that in could, age. Uh, that could work. Um, you know, I, I was thinking uh, also uh, Anne Hathaway uh, is someone that has the sort of charm and likability as far as the sweetness. Uh, but for some reason, it seems like some people have very negative reactions to her. Like they want bad things to happen to her. And so mm. I thought of her. Um, but you know what? I, I'm going to stick with uh, – I'll stick with Emma Stone. And I'm going to go with Jessica, Jessica Chastain as the uh, other sister, the one looking out for her, for Emma Stone. How about that? And That's, uh, that's pretty good. I, I was actually – when you said Anne Hathaway, I was uh, actually imagining her as um – uh, Lila or Lillian, whichever. She could, do, she could do either one. I think. Yeah, but, because uh, wasn't wasn't Anne Hathaway in uh, Rachel gets married or something Rachel like that? Married, yeah, one, yeah. And, and I that, thought yeah. she was you know fantastic in that movie, so she can play range, uh, obviously. And so uh, I, I think we need um, somebody. 
I, I think the sister has to be really distraught, you know, and I think we were missing that from Julianne Moore. She was just more like the big sister. My sister's missing. I think we need somebody who can play and not that not to say that Julianne Moore couldn't play this. I think she was just maybe directed badly, but uh, just somebody that is scared for the worst. Right. Yeah. I mean, like uh, like I listen to a lot of uh, true crime podcasts and you always hear uh, like how the family members are just distraught and, you know, the, uh, on edge, f- just fearing for, uh, you know, the worst news ever. So. And I've got uh, two other favorites. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the uh, as Sam, which I love Vigo's. I don't think in the original, I can't remember the actor's name that he was trying to play like a version of like a, a Mimbo like server. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think Vigo was purposely because he does seem kind of dumb at times, especially when he's dealing with Julianne Moore, dealing with the sister or with Arbogast. So I'm going to go with Zac Efron as uh, Sam. Okay. I like and I that. think he could do that well. He could add a little bit of, you know, comedic value. And plus, you know, you get to see, I think he would, he would attempt to, I mean, with the, the, the guns he's rocking from Baywatch, I think he would attempt yeah. to, to really fight it out with the John Cho as my Norman. And my Arbogast, I'm going to go much younger. I'm going to go with someone who, because he goes to the slaughter as well, uh, and messes up by being a little bit too much of a go-getter, uh, I'm going to go with a guy who aspires to be like a 1960s private eye. Because unlike your version, I'm not going to be modern. I'm going to go with Miles Teller as Arbogast, someone who thinks okay. he's the smartest go. guy in the room. And, uh, yeah, gets a knife to the face from Mother, so... There you go. And they'll, they'll play Kate too, like both sides of uh, the Miles Teller fans and non-fans. Yeah. That's why yeah. I, was trying, I was trying to do that with Anne Hathaway too. I'm trying to give everyone what they want. <laughs> if you like the actor, they're in the movie. And if you don't like them, they die. So I like it. But John Cho lives to, to yeah. fight another day and find, you know, with his MILF mother. <laughs> yes. And for anybody that's a fan of Vigo, more Vigo to come. History of Violence. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that is, uh, that's... Actually, this is coming out after that. <laughs> so. Oh, well, I hope you guys listen to that episode. <laughs> I think that's, uh, I I mean, think that's good. Go back and listen to that episode if you missed it. <laughs> that's great. All right. All right. Um, so where else can people find us if they're going back um, to listen to stuff? Where can they find us to you know, tweet out uh, our horrible casting choices? Well, they can tweet at us at Original Remake on Twitter uh, and Instagram, for that matter. Uh, we are still trying to update that. It takes a lot of time to go in and find pictures and, and make that post. Uh, also, if you guys go to our <laughs> Podbean page, Mike's trying to update those with pics as well. And obviously, that also takes time. But uh, you can find us you know, anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, again, the Podbean app is available. I think that's starting to become uh, pretty popular amongst uh, uh, fellow podcasters as well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Podstalgic. Uh, Mike, where can they find you? You can find me at Projecting Film. That's my uh, indie film podcast where I try to pitch you uh, on movies that you probably haven't seen yet uh, by referencing to older movies, very much like War Machine versus War Horse. And uh, I have another show on romantic tropes in films called The Grand Gesture, and that's at Grand Gesture Pod. And you have been uh, you're, you're the guest for the ultimate, uh, the number one like movie of all time in the romance category, Titanic. So we've got that one for original really? remake fans. Wow. Yes. So oh, we have fans of Titanic. I am happy to hear that. We have at least one. 
And that was oh, you. Very we good. found the one. <laughs> and Kate Winslet's mother, presumably. So, well, I. Um, but mm-hmm. she's on. She's on another episode. She didn't want to talk about Titanic anymore. Okay. So we got you. Very good. You know what I think? I think that we're all, I think in, we're all in our private, private traps. traps. Clamped in them. Clamped in them. We can never get out. And none we of us can ever get out. We scratch and claw, but only at the air. We scratch and only at each other. Claw, but only at the air. Only at each other. We never budge an inch. And for all of it. Sometimes we deliberately we step into in those inch. traps. Sometimes we deliberately step mine. into those traps. But I don't mind it anymore. I was born in mine. Well, you I don't should. Mind it you should mind. Oh, but you should. I do. You should mind it. Oh, I do. I just but say, I say that. I don't. don't. <laughs> you, know, you know, if anyone ever spoke to anyone, me, ever talked to me the way I the heard, way I heard the, the, the way, way she, she talked to you. To you Sometimes when she talks to me when like she that, talks to me like that, I feel like I, 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 I curse her out and leave her forever. And curse her at least and, and, and leave her forever. Well, or at least to fire. She's ill. She sounded strong. Oh, no. But I know I can't. <laughs>